You're listening to a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome another- back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> another episode of Larry Moe and their guest Curly. <laughs> a podcast made the Johnson away. This is a wacky Tuesday morning. And um, Joe, how are you? I am well. I didn't even realize it was Tuesday morning. You're welcome. That's how Thank- wacky it is. Yeah, I didn't even have to Ugh. introduce you. The folks out there know it's just you and me always now. So well, yeah. Um, they're stuck with us. But, you know, if you're out there and you're listening, you think, I wonder what it would be like to be a podcast host or yeah. guest. Mm-hmm. Come on down. Joe cool. and I will gladly give up a seat. You can ask the questions. Or if you have a friend who is afraid to be on the podcast, maybe your presence mm. will get them to open up out of their shell and, and come join us on the podcast. No, I mean, you do have to be a Johnsonville member now, folks. Yeah, you can't just pull anybody up the street. Yeah, sorry. This is one do. of those podcasts. But, uh, but Jeff, just so we don't talk about what's going on outside yes. on this fine Tuesday, the, what, the band uh, w word. what amazing question do you have for our listening audience? So today? I do want to give a shout out to a member who did reach out to Joe and I in person and give all of his answers to all the questions I've been asking. So oh. a real give shout out to Brian Harlan. B. For, Harlan. For, for proving his extreme fandom of this podcast. <laughs> Number one fan. Fight me on it. Oh, wow. And uh, he came up and he told us all the answers. So uh, real appreciate. Uh, makes me feel good that I'm coming up with all these questions. <laughs> Somebody at least is out there listening. So, Jeff, either way, you talk to yourself all day. So Yeah, it's um, true. It's true. You ask yourself If I'm not talking to myself, I'm talking to you. So either way, it saves you a little bit of time. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, save me. Um, so what's your question today? So question of the day. Raw onions or cooked onions? Fried onions, whatever you want to call it. Do you want me to answer this yeah, now? Yeah, you can go first. Fried. Fried, right? That's the only answer, right? Hands down. Now, because I know, I know. well, we have a guest here. He's shaking his head shaking vehemently. His head. Now, I know, like, if you're going to have, like, a, isn't like a Chicago style hot dog has, like, the raw onion on it, oh, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there's some places where the. But that's a hot dog. I'm just saying, as a general condiment, we're doing all the way across oh, the board. Oh, but you, you can't do that. You can't okay, do that. Okay, all right. Give me your. If you're talking brat, it's fried. Okay. What about hamburger? Uh, I don't put onions. Honestly, I very rarely eat onions. Really? See, lately I've been on a fried onion kick. Like I'll just make a bunch and then just have them in the, and then just now, put them on whatever. If you're I'm making. making some liver, mm. I, I put some fried some onions on fried a quesadilla onion yesterday. Really? How was, was that so quesadilla? Good. So good. Did you yeah. have it fried? Yeah, of course. Okay, just yeah. checking. All right, so. guests, uh, Christopher, your turn to weigh in. Fried or raw onion? Uh, uh, well, you said liver, right? Liver? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, on liver, yes, on patty melts. Okay, yeah. Raw on burgers, raw on brats and hot dogs. Okay. Oh, really? Like that, like that crunch, Mm. like the, the, the sharp flavor, the, the, the savoriness of it comes through where you caramelize it. It's sweeter. And maybe I'm just that's my that's that's why I like it. It's sweeter. But have you have, so have you ever gone to a restaurant and they put like the whole slice of onion, like the all the rings in one 
that's way too much. It's a lot. But of if onions. you fry depends, all those, depends on how big the uh, burger is. That's a good point. If it's a big half pound burger, you got to go with a full slice. See, it's yeah. too much for me. Hmm. It's too much. I think that's why I like the fried. Um, but like, if you get a light fry, then you do kind of get the crunchiness a little bit still, where well, it's not know, total at, like. And at Culver's, they yep. put just onion rings, but they cut them so thick. It's it's enough. I like okay. so it's not rings. too much. It's just perfect. Okay. The, the breaded onion rings from Culver. Well, we're gonna get off on a tangent here, but those are delicious. Yeah. Mm, so good. Uh, anyways, if you want to weigh in on Jeff's epic question here, this is life or death. Riveting, here, folks. Yes. riveting. Um, off the clock at johnsonville.com, ladies and gentlemen. That is off the clock at johnsonville.com. And again, like Jeff said at the beginning, if you want to be a guest or you want to be a guest host, let us know. Off the clock at johnsonville.com. Uh, but moving on moving from on. your wonderful question, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. Um, we are going to introduce our guest today. So, Christopher Stoy, welcome to the podcast. It's great Thank to have you. you here. Thank you. Uh, per usual, Christopher, what is your Johnsonville story? My Johnsonville story. I, uh, 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 for a time, I worked for Gilbert's Craft Sausages. So, break that down. No one has said that yet. Yes. And I don't know that everyone knows that Johnsonville owns Gilbert's. Yes. What is Gilbert's? Gilbert's Craft Sausages was a company that was started uh, 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 about 13 years ago, 14 years ago now. Okay. And uh, uh, they were a specialty sausage company. Mm. And we ended up uh, uh, abandoning anything pork about uh, eight years ago and went strictly with chicken sausages. And the thing that's unique about Gilbert's is their flavor profile. They're individually wrapped, um, so each one is is stuffed into it uh, into a a, to, uh, a plastic wrapper. Okay. And cooked sous vide. Mm. Oh, um, really? Which is you know in a water bath. Okay. And that's the way they're processed. Um, and the unique flavors are pretty. You know, they have a caprese Gilbert. Caprese uh, uh, chicken sausage, Oof. an andouille chicken sausage, yeah. bourbon Caprese. apple, you name it. Lots of different flavor combinations. I know when we first uh, acquired Gilbert's, mm-hmm. I know I went out and bought all the flavors and just did a giant taste test yeah. at home with like my family, like huh. with my mom and dad and everybody. We do it all the time for Packer games, but um, some are really good, some are a little more unique. Um, but the they are really way good for you to say. I did not like those. <laughs> some are just a little <laughs> bit more. I like I want I just want a little more sometimes. You yeah. know, if you just put cheese in it for me, it's nothing. It's mm. not that great. Either way, my mouth is watering right now thinking about all of it. So uh, so you worked at Gilbert's. I worked at Gilbert's because in between chef jobs, uh, I was an executive chef in Chicago at the time. In between chef jobs, I would pick up uh uh, demonstrations through a company out oh, on the okay. West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, strictly internet, and I do demos around town. And Gilbert's had uh, wanted to uh, impress somebody at Costco, one of the buyers at Costco, so they hired me through this this marketing agency uh, to do a road show at uh, Grafton Costco. Hmm. Oh, cool. And I called them up, uh, and when I got there, and I said, "You don't have enough product to last for four days," and they said, "Who is this guy?" You know, because <laughs> the brand ambassadors generally they work for fifteen dollars an hour. They don't really, they go, they do their work, they go home. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I kept in touch with them throughout the show, told them what their inventory was and what their daily sales were, and uh, 
they said after the job, you know, well, maybe if someday you want to come to work with us, uh, let us know. So I did that on and off uh, part-time for about four years before they took me on full-time. Wow. All yeah. right. Good for you. Mm -hmm. And then how did you find your yeah. way up here? Well, uh, Johnsonville bought us. Actually, uh, Gilbert's is made in Denmark, Wisconsin. Okay. Sure, um, but their home office was in Chicago, so I worked out of my own house, and I, I, I did a lot of the demos for Sendix down in Milwaukee and and for Costco when the road shows would come around. And uh, uh, Johnsonville acquired uh, Gilberts a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, um, and that was I think year two or year three of the pandemic. Okay, and. and uh, um, so they eventually brought us over, uh, and um, uh, they put me in the marketing department because I was working with our marketing person. Uh, she was managing budgets, and I was uh, coordinating demos in you know throughout the country in, in key markets at uh, grocery stores. Cool. Yep. And then January came around, and they said we really don't have enough. Uh, uh, budget to support full-time demos mm -hmm. um, and I said great I'll go to work at one of the uh, uh, production facilities because I'd been watching the job boards and mm -hmm. and uh, um, I made the transition pretty easily beautiful yeah. and now you're at uh, Riverside here yeah uh, in, our, in our packaging department right yes fantastic so uh, in all your time then in shifting around and moving what would you say is your favorite part about working at Johnsonville well, it's got to be the Johnsonville way. I mean, because it is just so good to come to work in such good structure and support, you know. And it goes around and around, and just like the leaves up on the mm -hmm. up on the little uh, up on the tree, you know. Uh, that's my favorite part. The the it's such a solid company, and uh, you know, I was driving down the road on my motorcycle the other day. And I saw, uh, I was going to uh, Manitowoc, and I saw a sign that said uh, uh, something. It was a Johnsonville sign that said um, uh, they care about what I think or, 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 or they care about um, what I do. Okay. And uh, it just kind of made me feel, you know, comfortable and secure that I, I you know, that I stuck it out and I, I made the transition to Riverside, and uh, uh, I didn't go to work uh, anyplace else. So. Well, it's great to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Woo, Christopher, thank you so much for your on-the-clock story. Now let's switch to your off-the-clock story. Now, before we really get into the meat and potatoes, uh, <laughs> what would you say to the question I'm about to ask? Um, what kind of motorcycle do you ride? <laughs> the important questions yeah. first. Which one? Oh, <laughs> which one? Yeah, okay, so how many motorcycles and what kinds you got? Well, I have three. Um, I started uh, riding again after 36-year hiatus. Okay. All right, and uh, I rode. Hey, any, uh, any particular reason for the hiatus? Or? Uh, well, I got divorced. Okay, okay. well, that And I happen. sold my house in Whitefish Bay, okay. so I had a little money to invest, and yeah, I thought, okay. I need a new hobby. Sure. Yeah, so... <laughs> Bikes and it I, it's not i'm not a hobbyist i'm more of an enthusiast okay. enthusiast but uh, i do plan on wrenching again which i did in my late teens okay. uh as an auto mechanic and uh um i like the freedom of uh, uh riding and i like the fact that i'm you know 
37 years older and a little bit more mature. I was really an inexperienced rider back then. And sure. And uh, found myself getting into a, a little bit of trouble on, on in motor vehicles mm. <laughs> back then. As we all do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now I play it safe. And uh, I have bought and sold nine Harleys. Oh, my goodness. No, seven Harleys, one Triumph, and one Yamaha in the last two Two seasons, two and a half seasons. Really? Wow! So, so now I'm down. Up? I'm down to the final three of what I really like. Okay. okay. And, and what are those? I've got. I just bought a, a 2017 Road Glide. Okay. Which is a touring bike uh, or a bagger they sure, call them sure. sometimes. I have a hot rod that is a, a 2018 uh, uh, soft tail. Um, it's a soft tail breakout. Okay. Which is kind of a factory chopper version, but it's uh, the guy who uh, bought it and sold it uh, put a lot into it, and uh, it it is fast. Oh, <laughs> and it it is is beautiful, and it's not it's it's slightly understated, not all chromed out and tricked out and sculled out like a lot of the other uh, bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I. I just bought a 2018 Soft Tail Deluxe. Okay, okay. So you're you're sticking with Harley then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. How was that Triumph that you had? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I flew out to New Jersey to get it. I picked it up and I toured the East Coast, and it was oh, the man. first road tour I ever did. And uh, I actually dropped it on the first day that I had. <laughs> just slightly tipped it over in a mm. in a parking lot because my foot hit the backrest mm. or the backpack I okay. wasn't used to. And I ended up uh, uh, with a compression fracture in uh, uh, in my uh, lower vertebrae, in a lower vertebrae, and I had to s- I, th- I had to stay laid up for about four or five days um, before I could even get back on it. Oh but my I goodness! Kind of hobbled my way home. I stopped in Dayton, Ohio. I was down in D.C. and stopped in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, visited some friends and and uh, lots of Tylenol and uh, made my way home. <laughs> We're glad you made it back. Wow. What a story. Yeah. Like, I'll just pop on over and grab that real quick. And yeah. Head on and home. then, oops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Break oh, myself. Dang it. Yeah. Wow. Well, my doctor said it couldn't have broken just by picking that up. It was ready to go. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it was straw on the bike that broke. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, okay. So it, now that we know what bikes you ride, um, do you r- rumor has it actually you told us it's no rumor um you are i would say you still are you have the credentials to be uh, you're a professional chef mm-hmm. is that true yeah. so tell us about this journey well i spent 10 years in cable television i was interested in radio <laughs> okay hold on and a second <laughs> 10 years in table cable, cable te- television yes table television i love it um what what were you doing on cable television? Well, in high school, I was a radio DJ, and one day uh, Warner Brothers came into the class with a converter that was two-way communications, and, and nobody had even heard of it, and this guy gave a demo on uh, the future of television was cable TV, and I was sold. Wow. I was a senior in high school, and uh, I failed my, I flunked my um, uh, radio communications exam, so I never got my license. <laughs> I thought, I can go into cable TV. <laughs> so um, I was kind of a, a, a gas jockey for like two and a half years after uh, uh, high school, and then I transferred to Michigan State into their telecom program. 
and uh, I did a little bit. I had a little too much fun that year. Oh, And okay. uh, they asked me if I would like to get a job in my field instead of uh, going to Michigan State University. And I said, sure. sure. <laughs> so I went out and I got a job with a cable company. I started installing and worked my way up through troubleshooting and line work and engineering. And okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And I just got into the, I just got to the point where construction costs were so high in cable TV uh and uh um they were pinching the employees and the salaries were coming down and and they were trying to unionize and yada 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 and i said i want out okay so i started to uh, uh, look at getting into uh uh becoming a chef and was that something that you enjoyed doing as a kid or what yeah. like what led you to that right away i mean i cooked with my parents okay. i begged my mom to give us cooking classes and in parochial school and grade school and okay you know and uh uh my family was they were big james beard fans hmm. um <coughs> not necessarily julia child but more james beard okay kind of the grandfather of a uh, regional american cuisine okay um he was a cookbook author and uh um i just remember eight years old uh uh reading a uh, a recipe for bar barbecued ribs out of my my dad's Chinese cookbook, and he took me all over town to get hoisin sauce and black bean fermented black beans, and uh, eight years old, you know, and huh. we cooked ribs together. And How long did that take? The ribs. The ribs. Yeah. Uh, a while ago. Uh, <laughs> slow roasted about two and a half hours. Really? Okay, yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah. Huh. I, I've just I've heard so many different timings. Like yeah. you got eight hours all the way up through to two hours. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Mm. Well, so many people cook ribs different way, and you know, I come, uh, I come back to the Midwest after spending all this time on the East Coast and graduating from uh, culinary school, and I, I, you know, I I don't like the falling off the bone. I've you heard know, that that's actually meaty, because meaty. you overcooked it. Oh yeah, yeah. Over overcooked, oversauced ribs that uh, I grew up eating. You know, hmm. <laughs> and a lot of times people would parboil them or 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 braise them until they were that tender before putting them on the grill and then oh, cooking wow. them further. So. Oof. Okay, so eight years old, you mm -hmm. cut your teeth on on ribs, mm -hmm. and then you took a hiatus. <laughs> for a while and no i always cooked with my family okay okay yeah and and then we had a summer cottage uh that my grandfather owned and uh i'd always do the uh you know the grilling with my family too and great huh yeah so how was culinary school then was it everything you hoped and dreamed for or was it where, uh, where did you go i went to the culinary institute of america now okay. this was yeah take Granted, this was at age 30, so okay. I had never worked in a restaurant before. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to uh, they wanted me to uh, get a little experience and make sure that I wasn't being hasty in a career transfer. Sure. And um, so I got a little experience with uh, uh, some graduates who uh, I had gone to grade school with um, mm -hmm. uh, locally in the Detroit area. And... Uh, and um, I worked a couple weekends there, um, but I continued to uh, uh, pursue the career and 
my wife and I at the time would explore a lot and fine dining and and um, we were really kind of focused on on this plan she wanted to go to New York because um, she was a graphic artist and okay she always likes metropolitan areas and and uh, um, so you know she was my she was my partner sure at the time yeah you know, so okay so you graduate from school there and then you were kind of talking to us earlier about kind of you're literally kicking in the door to try to try to get into the scene there yeah uh, I so uh, uh, well, we used to. F- I studied the Zagat Guide, which mm-hmm. was you know a restaurant guide. Okay. Um, from cover to cover uh, uh, during culinary school, and so I knew all the four star restaurants in in New York and all the hotels, and followed all these chefs, and some of them I had followed on 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 uh, film and television before uh you know before food tv and hmm. yeah yeah and uh, uh one of them was christian Delouvrier and he w- happened to be the executive chef at uh, the essex house hotel in new york so pre uh pre-graduation i would go down weekend or, or uh go down uh during the middle of the week and uh uh knock on back doors and uh, on some of these chefs some of them would see me some wouldn't and i made several good contacts and relationships and that carried on through even after i moved to new york okay uh on my days off i would go to other restaurants and uh hang out in their kitchens and watch what they were doing and and then we'd dine out there and, and you know you get the vip is what they call it but it gave when chefs would eat with other chefs or or uh, fledgling chefs or 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 cooks like myself who were just starting out uh it gave them a chance to create uh do tasting menus off the menu Hmm. um which was a really exciting deal you know eventually i learned to do the same things in the restaurants i worked in yeah but um, it's kind of like a challenge, and um, you're trying to impress uh, somebody in the industry. Not only that, you're trying to attract a cook who may be a potential sous chef down the road or uh, a, a, a potential, you know, uh, star cook, huh. <laughs> so wow. to speak. So. so is that common within the industry then? Like, honestly, come to think of it, I've never thought of how does a – cook or a chef mm-hmm. become that and now yeah. obviously you go to school you yeah. get your credentials yeah. or whatever and then it's literally you go around and knock on back doors and then is that kind of like this underground i don't want to say it like that but like this is that how they recruit is that how they build up the um, next generation a lot of restaurants will do uh, what they call uh staging okay which is usually f- uh through a network of chefs so uh and it comes from the french from the french brigade system and uh which was started by august Duscoffier when everything was codified back in the at, at the turn of the century and he created this whole brigade for the lucas carton hotel and and he wrote this book called le guide culinaire and <laughs> so the foundation of french cooking uh-huh. is the foundation uh, of course the french believe it's the only foundation oh, of, of cooking yeah. mm-hmm. um but they did codify everything and um um so you've got this system of you know this structure of of 
cooks and prep cooks and and sauciers and rotisseries and poissonniers blah 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 so anybody who's anybody in new york um was uh would often that system was pretty tight in place back there so sometimes other chefs would say you got anybody and you know oh okay that way well bring them over i'll i'll let them stage in my kitchen mm -hmm. it's like a tryout you okay. work a certain station i hated staging because <laughs> i didn't have the experience okay under pressure so mm -hmm. i would just literally get try to get my foot in the door and i'd find chefs who are willing to you know teach me stuff or, mm -hmm. or uh uh, willing to uh, train me or just just observe and, yeah. and talk creatively and uh, I like what you're doing you know and it was really cool the way you did this and and uh, some of the ones who some I got some door slammed in my face others were in invite huh. you know in very inviting okay so so you said prior to us really getting started here that uh, you did have a chance to meet um, some of the people that you had read about in books or mm -hmm. so w how did that go I mean were, were you starstruck did you I don't, I don't know I, I've never met my heroes so well I met a lot in New York and I you know a l oftentimes we would go to certain haunts uh, after service and uh, uh, certain um, food clubs sort of so mm. to speak or bars uh, oyster bars and and kind of rub elbows with the chefs. Um, when I opened my first restaurant in Chicago, uh, the owner sent me to France. And hey. uh, so I got to uh, not only stay at five um, Michelin uh, starred uh, resorts, but uh, uh, I got to eat in even more. Hmm. And uh, uh, he was kind of a big name so uh uh we got the vip treatment throughout the michelin i mean by by the time we got down to provence we just wanted a break <laughs> sat by the ocean side and just ate grilled fish <laughs> and stewed tomatoes you know? yeah yeah you uh, but that too was much. that was just an incredible uh, uh journey wow with pictures <laughs> very interesting yeah so you had you knocked on doors mm -hmm. you did all the hard work yeah. and then and then did you move to chicago and open a restaurant or did you already yeah. have one in new york as well no no, no. Okay. um i left new york as a sous chef and uh my first executive chef was uh job was um was uh opening a restaurant uh in downtown chicago is that difficult yes Oh my gosh! I can't Extremely. even. Imagine. I mean, you look at s s restaurants or storefronts that open, and then in six months they're closed already. Yeah. So. Yeah. And how long did you have your restaurant in Chicago? Uh, a year and three months before uh, the managing partners bailed. Mm -hmm. oh, actually, they bailed at six months um, because um, the math didn't work, and uh, the, there were two investors, and uh, I was just a partner. I didn't put, have to put up any money. Mm. Um, but uh, when everybody started to bail, then they started to change plans, and they turned it into a nightclub, and it was a nightclub, and it was a small plates place, and then they wanted me to do sushi, so I had to learn to do sushi, and I said, no way. I hired a sushi chef, 
and I, it was just an all night party. Oh. Um, after ten o'clock, and uh, the diners would clash with the mm. with the clubbers, and interesting. Uh, mm. And finally, I bailed out of that. So. Wow. So was that the quote unquote end then, or did no. you? Okay, where where where'd you go from there? I went to a small cafe in Lincoln Square. Okay. Um, that is now open about thirty eight years. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. worked for two women. I worked there for eight years. My kids were born during that mm. time. It was a nice step transition. Yeah, step down, less hours, build a family, mm-hmm. buy a house. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh I yeah. love that job. It was huh. my favorite job. And what pulled you away from that then? Um, the economy tanked. Okay. And I needed uh, better benefits now that oh, I had sure. kids. Makes so sense. I went to work for U.S. Food Service. And uh, it was um, September before the bubble burst. Okay. What was that, 2010, something like that? 2008, I think. Yeah, yeah. 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It lasted for two years. Yeah, that yeah. job. I hung on to it. I hated it. Um, they hired a lot of chefs at the time to try and compete with Cisco, who was coming out with gourmet lines, and they wanted all of our, all of our uh, fine dining chefs uh, to follow suit. And uh, then the the bubble burst, and everybody started buying on price and relationship. And hmm. so, a few of us chefs uh, who got hired kind of got hung out to dry. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So then, in terms of like your personal life, uh, you know, being a chef professionally, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's one thing. But when you're home mm-hmm. in your kitchen, yeah, what what's a go to? What do you enjoy making? Well, well, I have some staples, especially since the kids were here, you know. Um, but it's the it's it's the way I like to cook. It's simple, it's clean, and there's no pressure. So you know, some a lot of the family foods I grew up with, some of the things we discovered. Together, my uh, my wife and I, uh, and uh, things the kids would eat. So, um, what do I cook today? I have some standards. I love. Uh, I, I I do Caesar salad. I do Greek salad. I do falafel. I make my own falafel. Hmm. I do Mediterranean. Um, I do roasted chicken like anybody else's uh, business. Only yeah. you know, yeah. kind of in the French style. Okay. Lots of uh, uh, roasted garlic, maybe some uh, stewed prunes. You know, mm. that's a little, a little Frenchified. But you know, I always keep stocks and sauces and 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 reductions in the freezer sure. for my chef days, so that you can make it a little bit special or make a a quick gravy just by using some of the flavoring ingredients. And uh, I don't eat a lot of beef, just because it's so expensive. Sure. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, at my age also, I'm being really uh, a lot better uh, uh, at eating plant-based foods. Um, mm. Since my cholesterol was high last year, my sugar levels were high, so I've kind of changed over more to a Mediterranean-style diet. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So you, you mentioned, like, you've talked about the French quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the different styles of cooking or um the french you'll find it's very regional and um the style that everybody likes to cook is called terroir okay which means you know the earth 
Oh, okay. Okay. So the regions flavor the food. Huh. So Normandy right. is butter and milk and ocean and, you know, uh, southwest France is, is duck and goose confit and uh, preserved meats and uh, uh, and pork and and olive oil you know mm. or duck fat in southwest france provence it's olive oil and tomatoes and eggplant and you know so it depends on the region all south is like you know germany and france have been fighting over that region for <laughs> centuries sure. so there's a lot of influence from both and you know good hearty food and, and uh, paris is you know just like new york you know, it's it's the top comp- competing cuisines. You know. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in your opinion, the French way is the best way, or like, is there an American style? Is there a? Uh, no, I just think uh, cooking regional and seasonal uh, in the tradition of Europe. Okay, is the best style. Ah, perfect. You know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Very interesting. I'm curious then, um, I know you mentioned earlier you don't really watch a lot of TV or anything like that, mm-hmm. but do you have like, like there's quite a few like Netflix documentaries on some of these different things about how these chefs are just basically going out in the fields and picking whatever's growing mm-hmm. and then they test it and they taste it and then they make something out of it. And mm-hmm. it's it's this whole, to your point, from the earth and mm-hmm. whatever's in your area, whatever's local, that's mm-hmm. what you make that day. Yeah. Um, is there something out there like that you really you watch or you've seen or a chef who really does it you know for the folks out there who might not have a better understanding um i know when i watch that i realize what you're kind of explaining so yeah um and if not otherwise like, like i said go out on netflix there's i forget what it's called but um there's quite a few netflix or um chef cooking documentaries yeah where they kind of do little little mini s- little episodes where they go all over i remember mm-hmm. watching one like in norway yeah, they went up there and like the guy's just literally walking through the fields. He's like, oh, yeah, this will be really good with my duck, whatever. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's really crazy. Yeah. Like you think it's a weed or like grass. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 taste this. And you like he like grinds it up his fingers and he's like huh. eating it right there in the field. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like to your point, I think it's really neat that like instead of just going all the way. Oh, this is imported from so and so. It's like, no, this is from my backyard. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. 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 There's uh, uh, I think we're talking probably thinking of the same series on Netflix mm-hmm. that I've I haven't seen the whole series but what I've seen is just amazing. Hmm. It's and crazy it's the way they're doing right it. Right in, right in uh, a small region, you know, or a small uh, encampment or 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 farmyard or whatever huh. it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very good. Uh, uh, it's a very good documentary series. Wow. So do you have any, um, I mean, is there any lingering hopes and dreams to maybe get back into a business? Absolutely or not. Okay. <laughs> People ask me all the time, do you miss it? Oh, hell no. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. Pardon my English. <laughs> no, all good. <laughs> um, well, then how about this? Uh, you know, you, you've kind of closed the, the book on, on your end, but if someone else wanted to get in or, or start, mm-hmm. what would you suggest for them? run no (laughs) (laughs) that's no uh i'd say follow your dreams um work your you work your way towards uh towards it you can always 
you can you can educate yourself you can get experience uh uh i'd be encouraging you know like any mentor would be i sure. guess you know and mm -hmm. uh, uh try to answer any of the questions they had or uh, i can't make up their minds for them or you know yeah, yeah but i can address their doubts or their concerns or their uh their passions and and say yeah yeah go for it yeah know? What is your? I'm switching gears on you here. What is your take on um, kind of this food truck revolution? I love it. You do? It's cool. <laughs> it's so hard to make money, though. Is yeah. it really? Oh I, God! I, yes. Well, I wonder because if so many people are doing it, it's just so competitive. Mm -hmm. The food service, food industry is just as competitive as almost any other industry these days, but even more so because of the fixed costs uh, uh you know and the labor costs okay like that huh. um and i heard it from one of my mentors and this was very early on in the game and he's owned s six or seven restaurants in his in his lifetime and uh um going into culinary school he said at best you can make 4 cents on the dollar if you're full every night and you've got other restaurants and wow. you know oh my goodness and he's like yeah that's a thin profit margin so you have to be at the top of your game huh. and stuff i don't know if there's a truth to that but uh <laughs> uh he was quite the source well I, I mean you saying that alone makes me just it doubles down on the fact that this this is driven by passion mm -hmm. by a labor of love mm -hmm. literally and yeah huh what an industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I had to make a choice on uh, whether I wanted to, you know, teach my kids to grow up or whether I wanted my wife to teach them to grow up, you know, mm. whether I wanted to be with them or didn't want to be. I decided to pick the family, mm. you know. Do your kids have a passion for cooking? One of them does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Huh. From a young age. Good. Yeah. Good. Because yeah. you made ribs with them. <laughs> well, yeah. Daddy makes guacamole. That's what my sister always says. That's what your daughter says to me one day. Daddy makes guacamole. She's the one we taught to make guacamole uh, oh, nice. at like age six. And mm. So she, we would always call on her. And she just loves Mexican cuisine. So. And she's well, mostly a vegetarian, too. So, okay. Yeah, mm. But she loves to cook. Wow. Good stuff. Well, Christopher... Um, is there any other information, you know, about your journey or your your cooking or, or anything like that that you'd like the uh, listening audience to know? Mm. <laughs> Pretty big question there. No, not really. I okay. mean, I always hear like the crazy stories that happen like in restaurants. Anything yeah. you're willing to tell us like oh. that is appropriate for this okay. podcast. All right. So, right. so there's I, always like these good stories yeah, you never hear yeah. about. So when I worked in New York, um Anthony Bourdain's restaurant okay. was uh, a butcher shop and a restaurant. Okay. Right? And he had a terrible re reputation, and we all read about it. Mm -hmm. But I was working for the French at the time. Um, and uh, uh, so what Kitchen Confidential was a culmination of all these expose articles in, in the, uh, the New Yorker okay. magazine. So that's how it started out. And everything that he put in there was true. And we would go there sometimes late at night. 
Um, but, you know, the guy was a party animal. He had problems with addiction. And, and it's it's rampant in that industry. Mm. It's rampant in the entertainment industry. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, but it's you think about it, it's so stressful, right? And those who have the disease and those who don't have the disease, you know, mm-hmm. it gets sorted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, mm-hmm. you know, sure. Um, it, it is somewhat hereditary. Um, you have an allergy to to mm. putting substances into your body. You can't predict what's going to happen. Sure. sure. Fortunately, I got sober uh, years before um, I mm. went into the restaurant industry at age <laughs> thirty. So I went th- through the whole thing and saw it firsthand. But most of the places I worked with were such high-level places that um, uh, uh, the that stuff got sorted out at, at other places, sure, you know, sure. or they just didn't make it up to that mm-hmm. level. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I do want to um, I do want to certify as a substance abuse counselor. Oh, um, so that uh, when I become ready to retire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can move into that. And uh, I could do intake at a hospital. There's a high demand for for people, elderly. Okay. I'm not calling myself old, but <laughs> I'm getting there, right? No, no one is. No one is. Yeah, there's a high demand for, for, for those positions, and I think it would be a great thing to get into. I actively participate in the community for years and years mm-hmm. and uh, I think it would be nice to retire on you know helping others well, good for you yeah, that is a great goal yeah. to have when a you retire heck of a development here wow yeah <laughs> I mean for real it, um, full disclosure I am also recovering yeah. um, and so I uh, quit literally right before my 20th birthday yeah um, but uh yeah it, it is a thing and there are yeah. plenty of people out there who could use the help so yeah. um if you're uh on your on your way or looking at that mm-hmm. uh and you and you start that journey mm-hmm. come back on let's talk about it i'm yeah. all about that yeah so yeah. good for you yeah. cool well um we unfortunately didn't prep you prior but we always have the guests close us out mm-hmm. uh we give you a little script there um if you wouldn't mind uh, closing us out for today. This is Christopher Stoy, and you've been listening to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. <laughs>